Well, it's good to be in God's house with all of you today. What an awesome day to be in His house. This is the greatest place to be in all the world on a Sunday morning. And so I'm excited to preach today on a message called, What Did Jesus Say About Lust? <laughs> I, I, didn't, I don't care what you think, but I do care what the Lord thinks. And it's a, I, this is a message, let me tell you, for everyone in this place, every young person, every old person, male and female, this is gonna be a message for you. And so in order to get into the message today, uh, I want to, I need everybody's help really in this place because full participation just makes church fun. And so if you would just please get involved today in this sermon, that would really make it a fun one. And so there is um, something called a bug, B-U-G, and I want you to get into the mind of a bug. I would like for you to become a bug right now. Are you with me? Here we go. So you can be an ant, a fly, a mosquito, choose any bug, any bug will do, but I want to get into the mind of a bug. Thank you, worship team, so much for leading us today. Not a lot of bugs know that, but they have an enemy. And their enemy is bigger and smarter. Oh, uh, I want to check in kids today because this is going to be a message not for young ears, for little ones. So check in your kids today for sure. I guarantee you on this one. No doubt about it. For sure. Do it. It's not a joke. Not a joke at all. Check them in. Okay, thank you. Um, so get into the mind of a bug. A lot of bugs don't know this, but they have an enemy. And their enemy is bigger and smarter and stronger than those bugs are. And that enemy stays up late at night to figure out ways that it can lure bugs into their death. And these are some of the means that lure these bugs into their death. And so I have them on the GoPro here. I want you to see the enemy of these bugs is smart. So you can't just write, you know, come into your death on a hotel room. You have to write Roach Motel. I don't know if you can see that, Roach Motel. And you have to put some brown sugar in there to entice a roach to come in. You know, brown sugar is sweet to the taste, and the enemy is smart. You, you got to lure a bug in. It's got to be sweet. It's got to be tasty. And so roach motels, they check in, but they never check out. Yes. There's another um, trap that is very awesome. We use this around our house lately because we're doing construction at my house. And construction brings out all kinds of rodents. And this is a mouse trap. It's a sticky glue trap. And there's little crumbs of bait. I know it's gross, but um, the mouse will smell and see the bait and go, hmm, yummy, yummy, yummy. And then the little pulse will go and get stuck on the trap. And then this is gross, but if you hear it flopping around, you know you've caught a rodent. That is really gross. It just happened in our house. And so pray for us. But that's what happens. And there's another one that is, I think this is the worst, uh, the fly trap. And so you open this up and you fill it up with water. And after two hours, it starts to really stink so bad. And you hang it up in a place where you don't want your neighbors to smell it, but they do anyway. And they call and complain. And, and the flies, they smell this awful smell, but to them it's the most beautiful aroma they've ever smelled in their life. And they, they go fly into the holes of this trap, and they see their little buddies there floating on the water, on the top of the water, and they go, oh, look at them. 
they're having a vacation and they're just enjoying themselves. And that looked like that looks like a lot of fun and a lot of pleasure, and I think I'll join them too. And they start buzzing around in here, but then the moment they touch that water, they, they, they get heavy with the weight of the water and they can't get out anymore. Flies check in here, but they don't check out. We have another one, probably my favorite one, and it's the most demented one. It's a torture chamber for mosquitoes and all kinds of different insects. And yes, there's a video right now playing of what happens. The bigger the bug, the bigger the zap. And so this is entertainment for hours if you're outside and you go, oh, that was a big one. And they fly, they fly in towards the light. And you would think, you know, we, we say these bugs are so stupid. I can't believe they would fall for such a silly, stupid trap. And you would think, you know, they would get towards the light and their buddies would be like, no, Larry, don't go into the light. And then they see their buddy pals just laying at the bottom of the tray. You would think they would wise up and they would, you know, get smart and be like, well, man, every time my friend flies in there, they never come out. Maybe I shouldn't go towards the light. But they go into the light, hundreds, thousands of them, bug after bug, falling for these instruments of death. You would think they would wise up. You would think that some, some thoughtful bug would say, whoa, wait a minute, man, I, you know, I'm not going to be drawn back into that. But they never do that, do they? They always say, I know what I'm doing, and I'll fly into the trap, and I'm clever enough, I'm smart enough, it's just for a short while, and Besides, I'm not hurting anyone else. I'm a buzzy guy. Well, the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a bug, or a man, I mean. But, in, but its end is the way of death. Only a bug would be that foolish, right? Only a bug. Not me, not you. Well, I'll show you another instrument of death. Anybody want to guess what this thing is? Yes, it's a big, green, shiny apple. Well, we don't know what fruit it was that Adam and Eve ate from in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. We use this as an illustration. We really don't know what fruit it is. The Bible doesn't tell us what kind of fruit it was that God said, Adam, Eve, you can eat from any tree in the garden. It's all yours. Enjoy it. Enjoy it all, but this one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it's forbidden, don't touch it. And of course, Adam and Eve were tempted by the serpent, Satan himself. Genesis chapter three, verse six says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for wisdom, zap, went into the light, ate from the fruit, sin entered the world, they disobeyed God, for the first time, they recognized their nakedness. They tried to hide from God. Every time we read about another person who falls to temptation, when it destroys their life, destroys a marriage, breaks up a family, withers up a soul, you've got to wonder, why does this happen? Why do we do this? I've said it to myself too. Man, why do I do this? Why do I do the things I don't want to do? And the things I do want to do, I don't do. Why do intelligent people engage in foolish, dark actions? Why do people, even who love God, why are we so tempted and sometimes we get lured into the bait? 
Well, the answer is the Bible tells us we have an enemy, a spiritual enemy. Yes, there are forces against you and I, forces of light and forces of darkness. There is good and there is evil. There is a heavenly realm and there is a hellish realm. And we have an enemy that is bigger, stronger, and smarter than we are. And the Apostle Paul writes, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities in the unseen realm. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 through 13. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, oh, it will come, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. That's why Jesus teaches us to pray in Matthew chapter 6, 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So one of the reasons why we fall into these sinful traps is because we have a spiritual enemy who wants to steal, kill, and devour you. But there's another reason, and it's our own sinful desires. It's what the Bible calls the flesh. As Christians, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. The Spirit of God lives inside of us. We want to do what pleases the Holy Spirit, but we also have a flesh. It's our own sinful desire. And so in order to talk about this further, I want to go into our imagination, if you would, with me again, full participation, to one of your favorite vacation spots, if you would. Just take three seconds right now and think of your most desirable vacation spot in your mind. Ready? Go. Hawaii. All right, since we're getting vocal in church, we're going to now turn to your neighbor, turn to your neighbor and tell them where your vacation spot is. Real quick, turn real quick. Tell them where, you're, where you are. Where you, okay. All right, awesome. Good. How many of you are in the mountains? Mountains. We got granola people all up in this place. How about a beautiful sandy beach somewhere? Yes, amen, that's where God is, yes. How about a big city? How many of you went to the big city? We got one. All right, how many of you went to the middle of nowhere? You just don't like people at all, do you? You just, you work in HR or something like that. All right, come back to the auditorium. Come back to the auditorium, everyone's, we're back to reality. Oh man, shoot. No, it's an awesome place to be right here. It's amazing, isn't it, that without any travel hassles, you didn't spend a dime, you just went on the most awesome vacation in your mind, you, all because God gave you this gift called imagination. If you wanna view paradise, simply look around and view it. All right, anyway, that's a little Willy Wonka for you. But God gave us the gift of imagination. We have an enemy. We also have an imagination. And with your imagination, you can go places without even moving a muscle. You can play memories over and over in your mind. You can dream about what your life is gonna be like in 10 years, what God's gonna do in and through your life. You can dream about all these, dreaming is free, costs you nothing. What an awesome gift God gave us called the gift of imagination. You can get a vision for your life and 
do something with purpose and passion, and it's awesome. But as you might also suspect, there's a dark side because although we can transport ourselves to different vacation spots in our mind, we can also transport ourselves into fictitious environments and self-destructive scenarios. In fact, we can use the gift of imagination in downright dark ways and still look good on the inside because no one knows what's going on in here except for you and except for God who judges the intents of the heart and the mind. He knows every motive. And nowhere does this power of imagination become more dangerous than when we use our imagination with the highly flammable, highly combustible nature of our own human sexuality. Jesus spoke about this. What did Jesus say about lust? This is what he said. Matthew chapter, and by the way, Everyone deals with this. So I just want you to know, you're in the same boat with everybody. And uh, me too, I am included. Matthew chapter five, verse 27 through 28. You have heard it said, Jesus said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, remember Jesus is the greatest teacher to ever live. He's God in the flesh, God with skin on. I tell you, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You wanna know how to live this life? I tell you, that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, just looks at her, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. <sighs> well, see, it's impossible. You, you think that in this day and age, Pastor Matt, it's 2023. You're asking me to live a stain-free thought life? You, you, are you kidding me? That's, a realist, that's an unrealistic expectation in a culture like the one we're living in today. And Jesus is saying to Religious people, church people, the suit and tie on, the Bible in their hands. Amen, brother. Amen, sister. I'll praise God. He says, well, before you pat yourselves on the back for never sleeping in the wrong bed, you better come to grips with whether or not you've been in the wrong bed in your minds. And Jesus said, I'm asking you to be every bit as sexually pure in your minds as also in your bodies. And so here's what he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 29. If your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. What does Jesus mean? Should we all, you know, walk around like Captain Hook? Arrgh, matey. My leg just caused me to sin, went to a place I shouldn't have gone. I cut it off. No, we're not talking about human mutilation, but let me do tell you what we're talking about today. What did Jesus say about lust? I want to answer three questions today. The first question is this, what is lust? What is it? Well, the best way to describe lust is to remind you what Jesus said when someone asked him a great question. Lord, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. You might say, God is looking for whole persons mind, body, soul, and strength to love them with their whole self. The psalmist wrote in the book of Psalms, chapter 139, verse 14, God, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We are human beings created by God 
with minds, emotions, feelings, souls. We are wonderful created beings, and God is saying, I'm looking for whole people who will love me wholeheartedly with all their soul, mind, strength, and body, and who also will love their neighbors as themselves. In other words, I want you to love one another wholly by valuing each other's heart, souls, minds, and emotions. So what is lust? You rip the heart out of a person, you rip the soul out of a person, you take the mind and emotions and feelings out of that person. They're not a son or a daughter, they're just a body part to be lusted after. That's what lust is. They're not a whole person. That's what we do when we lust. We just take a whole person and we strip them down to just a body part. That's what lust is. So the second question, why is lust so destructive? Well, what's the big deal, Matt? If all this activity is going on in the privacy of my own mind, what's the big deal? Nobody's getting hurt. Man, I, I, you're just fooling yourself if you think that because it affects every relationship around you, including yourself. And I've talked to so many people in our church. If I had a dollar for every conversation I've had of someone in our church that was bold enough to say something like this, Lust has its claws so deep in me that I can't even see any hope of overcoming it. I'll never get out of this pit. Emotionally, I'm a wreck. I have such severe regret that I can barely cope with life. I feel as though God could never use my life, people say. My addiction to pornography promises everything but delivers nothing, yet I still can't stop it. I need help. Can somebody help me? I know that I'm reading your mail right now, not everybody, but 70% of you, because the statistic is that 70% of Christians in church struggle with this. So I'm hitting the nail on the head right now. I know that. That's why it's quiet. But here's what, ha here's what happens. Here's what happens. This is, this is how this walk goes. This is how you go down this rabbit hole. This is how you get into the trap towards the light. Don't go into the light. I'm saying don't go, go towards the light today. But here's what happens. We get exposed to some sort of sexual impurity, maybe when we were younger, maybe when you were a little kid and your opposite sex friend comes over or maybe even the same sex and they say, let's play doctor. I'll show you mine if, if you show me yours. And then all of a sudden you were exposed and that childlike innocence gets robbed from you. Maybe you're a kid walking through the mall and you see a Victoria's Secret model on the glass storefront sticker. I just was going through the mall this last week at, in South Coast Plaza. I walked right past Victoria's Secret. I kept looking down. I didn't, I didn't look up. I didn't turn right. I just blinders on. But I did see a mom dragging the 10-year-old boy who was like this. And I just knew the thoughts of his mind were, Victoria, what's your secret? I want to know. Somebody tell me what your secret is. <laughs> Maybe you were online and there's an ad that you clicked on and you didn't mean to, but it went to something else. And by the time you know it, you were on something you weren't supposed to see. I'm going to tell you a story and I'm not saying this. I'm not getting, trying to get a laugh, so don't, please don't laugh. And I'm not saying it for shock value. I'm not trying to get a reaction out of you. But as a young boy, I was probably, I think probably 11 or 12 years old, sounds about right, and uh, Dick's Sporting Goods, I love that sport, I'm all in, I love basketball, baseball, football, you name it, I'm a sports fanatic. 
and uh, I needed a new baseball glove. And so internet had just started popping around. Maybe I was younger, actually. And um, the internet had just, it was when dial-up. You know, remember, and the thing would load up. My dad had a laptop, and so I was learning how to use the internet. And so I wanted to go on DickSportingGoods.com and buy a new baseball glove. Well, I forgot the sporting's good part. And so, again, that's not, it's serious stuff. I mean, it, that robbed me of my innocence. Um, I didn't mean to, it wasn't intentional, but I got exposed to something I should not have been exposed to at such a young age. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all social media, I use it, I think it's a great tool, but it is the pit of hell. It's flooded with images and videos of insecure little girls who are, are saying, love me, tell me I'm beautiful, am I gorgeous, affirm me, uh, I, likes, love, comment. And by the way, social media feeds you what you look at. The algorithm knows what you want. So the more you look at it, it gives you more of what you want. And so what we're gonna do at the end of the service is put your cell phones on the platform and unlock it and we're all gonna, no. But you know what I'm talking about. There's, a, there's an app that I use on all of my devices in our house. Everyone has it on their computers, phones, t iPads, everything. It's called Covenant Eyes. You have to pay for it 15 bucks a month. In our men's group, I got a bunch of the guys on it now. It's a filtering uh, app that, that you can't uh, uninstall without your accountability partner knowing. And it blocks everything bad, and it also sends screenshots to your wife. <laughs> so so I, just, I tell you that because I think it's a great tool that men and women should use, because if you don't have guardrails, and you think you could do it on your own, you're only fooling yourself. And so thankfully, I don't really struggle with this anymore because I have guardrails in my life. And the pastor is also supposed to live above reproach. And so you can know that when I stand up here, I'm a man of character and integrity, and I've got blinders on, and my, I love my wife. But you can live this way too, and there's so much freedom in it. My wife doesn't have to second guess or not trust me. We have, there's trust in our relationship. Now, do I ever lust? Well, sometimes I go to the gym and the girls are wearing, you know, there's more cotton in an aspirin bottle than there is on their bodies. And so I have to, I'm on day four, by the way, just working out real hard. Thank you, thank you. It's real hard. I have to do something that was taught to me. I bounce my eyes. So guys, girls at the gym, if you get locked on, you can, sometimes you can't help it. You're just, you know, and someone walks right in front of you and you just have to bounce your eyes, you know? And people are gonna think you're crazy. You might get even a little dizzy. You know, bounce, or just close them and just pray, Lord Jesus, help me. Lord Jesus, all right? But we get exposed. That's how this happens. And then what happens after you get exposed to this stuff? Well, then we get injured. You maybe started out as innocent. Maybe you were abused as a, as a young person, even from someone in your own family or even in the church. You get injured. You were innocent and then you were wounded in your mind. Your mind starts to get rewired. Something in your thought process is never the same. You were exposed to some impurity and then you sustained an injury of the mind. That's what happened. And then we get confused. If you're like a lot of people, you probably simultaneously feel a sense of enjoyment in the moment, 
and then immediately following this incredible shame that comes upon you. That is a tactic of the enemy. Puts the bait out in front. Yeah, you should. Why not? Everybody else is blah, 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 blah. Wink. Shame and guilt come upon you. The Apostle Paul, I already said this verse in Romans 7, he says, when I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. Now, if I am doing what I don't want to do, it is plain where the trouble is. Sin still has me in its evil grasp. And so this message is for anybody who wants to get free. And thankfully for the grace and goodness of Jesus Christ, he sets the captives free. And there are going to be some folks in this place that walk out of here empowered. I'm not saying you're going to be magically cured of, of all temptation because we know that temptation will always be there. But we're going to commit ourselves to the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, strength. You know, lust is progressive. It satisfies, and then to tomorrow, you'll need to go a degree higher. It satisfies today what it what it won't satisfy tomorrow. What provides the buzz today won't tomorrow. So there's an ever-increasing pull into a secret world that gets darker and darker. James says this in James chapter 1, verse 14. Temptation comes from our own desires. So we have a spiritual enemy, and then we have our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, if you have your Bibles, I would underline that part. In other words, when sin is not confessed, when sin is not turned away from, when you just continue on and it's allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So the only way to get free is to repent and ask God forgiveness once again, and he's faithful to forgive, ask the Holy Spirit to do a work that only he can do. You cannot change on your own. You need the power of the Holy Spirit at work within your life to transform your heart, your heart and your mind, and you commit your whole life to him and be transformed by the renewing of your mind through God's word. And so the final question today is this. Third, how do we overcome lust? How? How do we do it? If you're serious about overcoming lust, I am. I want to give you four practical steps. Number one is this. Own up. Own up. If you're serious about overcoming lust, the starting point is to break the back of denial in your life by saying, God, I have a problem. He already knows anyway. He is omniscient, omnipotent. He's everywhere at all times because he is God. By the way, the devil is not, the devil is not omniscient or omnipotent. He cannot be at all places at all times. So whenever someone says, the devil made me do it, I'm like, yeah, right. He's really gonna target you out of all people. Like, come on now. Well, yes, we have, we, there are spiritual demons as there are heavenly angels, but the devil doesn't make you do everything. Now he can tempt you, yes, yes. But you, if you go around saying, well, the devil made me do it, I just can't control myself. No, you have a will. You have a choice that you can make. The Bible says that every time you're tempted, that there is a way out. You just ignore the door. And so own up. I love playing hide and seek with my kids. I have an eight-year-old, seven-year-old, and a three-year-old. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ready or not, here I come. And my three-year-old is over in the corner with a blanket on top of his head, and there's a lump. There's a lump. I see the lump. Breezy, where are you? 
I can't hear you. I can't see you. Breezy, where are you? <laughs> Here I am. Oh, there you are. Oh, I found you. I could not find you. When we own up to God, he covers what we uncover. When we say, God, you already know me. Oh, what a wretched, sinful man, woman I am. He says, that's, that's, my grace is enough. My grace is sufficient. But when you try to cover up all your stuff and act like you can't be seen by God, you're only fooling yourself because what you cover, he will uncover. The Bible says your sins will surely find you out. And so the first step of getting healed in your life is to own up and to come clean and say, God, you already know, but I'm gonna say it out loud to you right now. I need you, forgive me, cleanse me. Step two is starve out. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 29. We'll read it again. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Now, is that literal? If that were true, we'd, you know, this room would be like a, a bunch of one-eyed cyclops walking around. He said, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. He's not talking about literally gouging your eye out. He's simply telling us to starve out whatever it is that is fueling our lust. So how do you, if you were to cut the gas line of a car, eventually it would run out of gas because the supply line is gone and the car would just be a dead stop. Whatever supplies those lustful thoughts, cut the line. For some, it's just movies and certain TV shows that really are... Is a, is a supply line to temptation. For some of you, it's a certain time of the day or night when you're all alone and feeling lonely and you just wanna, you just need something to, to make the feeling go away. So you lock your devices and you get that Covenant Eyes stuff on your computer and your phone and you get serious about it. Yeah, this is a fun message, isn't it? Yeah, you're really, yeah, but I'm serious. Starve it out. At the gym, bounce your eyes, block it, filter it, burn it, baby. Do whatever you have to do to starve out that supply line. And then number three is fill up, fill up. In case you haven't learned this yet, it's almost impossible to break a well-established thought pattern by just telling yourself not to think about something. Don't think about it, don't think it. Don't think about a pink elephant. Don't think about, oh, I'm thinking about a pink elephant. That does not work, does it? Don't, don't do it, don't do it. No, you don't, don't do it, don't do it. If, if that's all, you're gonna do it. But the book of Philippians, chapter four, verse eight, Paul gives us a better way. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, oh man, think about those things. Let those things be constantly on your mind. And so the key is not to stop thinking certain thoughts. The key is to replace lustful thoughts with whatever is right, pure, and lovely. So be careful of the books you read. I love all kinds of music. I say it all the time and I listen to it all. But if I really wanna get into God's presence, there's nothing like singing praises to him and worship to him. If I really wanna break a, a thought cycle in my life, I'm not gonna turn on a podcast with Joe Rogan even though I think he's cool. I'd rather listen to what God, God's word has to say about the issues of life and what I'm going through. The people you follow on social media really matter. The places we set our foot in really matters. If you have a problem with drinking, don't go to the bar. Well, maybe this time I'll just sit and not, 
not, uh, not have one. Good idea. You know? And then finally, step four is the worship team comes and we're gonna get ready to pray and worship the Lord. Step four, reach out, reach out. I'll be honest, the times when I'm most vulnerable and susceptible to sin are the times when I've stopped pursuing God and I get this thought in my mind, I don't wanna go to church and I don't wanna be around God's people. God, I don't need you and I don't need your people. And that's when the Jaws theme song comes on in my life and the enemy comes in like a flood. Dun, 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 and man, if you think that you don't need God and you don't need the church, well, you are horribly mistaken. If you think you can, you know, go through this life unscathed and have no, and think you can overcome temptations and things that have had a stronghold in your life without the people of God and being consistently in his house, without joining some sort of group in the church, without serving because in your mind, I've just gotta get my life together first before I get baptized. Uh, God, you can't use me because I just got so much junk. Oh, baloney, that's nonsense. Those are lies from the enemy. Just jump in and get in it and God's grace will cover you. It's his grace is sufficient. He's more than enough. So if you want to get free from this clasp of that lust has on your life. The first step is to ask God for forgiveness. The Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive. And I'm so grateful that we serve a God who is a good God. And what we uncover, he covers with his mighty grace. And so he's faithful and just to forgive. But you can't get free or be healed unless you share it with another trusted friend. God forgives you but if you want healing, you have to share it with a, a, a trusted friend, a trusted friend. What is a friend? A friend is someone that walks with you when others walk out on you. Uh, a, a brother or a sister in Christ is someone who won't betray confidence. Can I tell you something? Yeah, share it. Don't tell anybody. Yeah, no problem. And then they tell you, and I gotta get this off my chest, and that's all, folks. And then they, the Bible says what a true friend does is love covers a multitude of sin. Love covers a multitude of sin. So James 5.16, if you could bring that up real quick. If you have sinned, you should tell each other what you have done. Then you can pray for one another and be healed. So if you want forgiveness from God, yeah, he'll forgive you. But if you want healing, you're gonna have to say something to someone that you love that loves you and that you can trust, who also loves God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Does that sound good, Kapish? Another word for amen in the Greek, I don't know. Here's how we're gonna close today. Would you stand your feet all across this place? I wanna read one more scripture. And we're all gonna pray the same prayer this morning. James chapter four, verse seven through eight says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Oh, so you actually have to do something. You have to resist. You know, Pastor Matt, I'm just, I'm a man. I can't, you know, it's, just, it's how God made me. I just can't. Uh, no, resist the devil and he will flee. 
Come near to God and he will come near to you. So this is our prayer today. Would you hold out your hands like you're receiving something, like you're giving something away to God and you're receiving something from him with our eyes wide open. God, today I choose to submit my whole life to you. I submit my mind to you. Give me the mind of Christ. God, give me the power to think right. I submit my ears to you that I would only let into my soul that which is consistent with your truth, the word of God. Give me the wisdom to receive your truth and reject the enemy's lies. God, I submit my eyes to you that they only look on things that are pure, that please you. Is that a great prayer? I submit my mouth to you that, that my words would be pleasing to you, Lord. I will build others up and not tear down. I will speak faith and life from this day forward. Help me, Lord. My tongue is like a rudder, like a, like a mighty ship that is turned by a rudder. I give my heart to you, God, acknowledging that it's deceitful in all ways. So God, give me a pure heart. May my motives be pure to serve you and to bring you glory in all that I do. God, I submit my hands to you that they would be used to build people, to build your church and to build your kingdom. God, I submit my feet to you that I would only go places that are pleasing to you. God, I submit every part of my body and I give it to you. My whole life is in your hands, in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. Let's worship the Lord.